Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, breaking news out of Portland with Damian Lillard as the team looks to reshape the front office. Woj is standing by. And Steph Curry is now just 16 threes away from the all-time record. Could he possibly get there in his next game? He thinks so. Plus, Hornets forward Miles Bridges. He is joining us on NBA Today to talk about his improvement this season and his favorite dunks so far this year. NBA Today tips off now. All right, so we are going to start this show, NBA Today, in the West. We're going to start with Steph Curry and the Warriors and what they did last night. Richard Jefferson, who's here with me, let's take a look because in warm-ups, this is what Steph did. So he he hit the tunnel shot, and then this is just ridiculous. Yeah, Damian Lee, you think he celebrated after, like, yeah, he celebrated like that. Look, they have yeah. fun. That's the beautiful thing about watching this team. They are intense. They are locked in, and they have fun. And this is why. Look at what their best player can do. Well, and this came after a turnover on the possession before. So Steph Curry knows when he messes up, and he knows what he needs to do to correct it. But then there was Andrew Wiggins. I'll tell you what Andrew Wiggins said in the post game that for him. He has never gotten this many wide open shots, and that is so awesome because, look, he's knocking him down, and, look, he is stepping into that Harrison Barnes role because I think this is like a 2015, 2016 type I'm not going to say he's stepping into Kevin Durant role. No, 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 okay. no. We don't, we, don't we, don't, we don't do that. All right, Stephen Curry, he's 18 three-pointers away from passing Ray Allen at this point, and then you know what he does. They call him one of the Splash Brothers, so Splash. Yeah, Splash. It's simple for him. It's easy. Look, it doesn't matter the defense. First of all, right now Orlando's a little too far back, but these are ultra-contested shots shot. There is nothing else you can do except for Fallon, and you don't want to do that. I mean, I know what, I know what the situation is, yeah. Are you, like, hitting him tonight like 18 or what? No, not like that. <laughs> not like that. Obviously, no. I'm closing in. Try not to let it creep into, you know, how you play. Just enjoy the, the journey to get there, because it does mean a lot to me um, as I do get closer. What does this record mean to you? I'll talk about it when it happens. Right. It'll make me cry up here, bro. <laughs> really? Don't do that. Don't do that. You think that it's possible to do this thing on Wednesday? Anything is possible. What is it, 15? <laughs> That's funny because I know what that means if Clay's record and all that too. So if you've seen the way I've played, especially recently, I'm just not shy about shooting the ball. So uh, the game will dictate what that looks like. I'm not coming out. Uh, with that as a true goal of like how I'll play, but crazier things have happened. All right, so Steph is 16 three-pointers away from passing Ray Allen and becoming the all-time leader. And the Warriors' next game is Wednesday against the Blazers at 10 Eastern, and that game is on ESPN. So here with Richard Jefferson, and Richard, you previously said, right, that Steph Curry was going to break the record on the 17th against Boston. Are, well, are we standing by that? No, because <laughs> for some reason you guys made me try and figure out when the greatest shooter of all time was going to knock down enough threes to break the record. Wait, you, you can't read a, a No, I, I can't. 
crystal figured ball. this out. The, the crystal ball, especially because he's so talented. It could be eight threes. It could be 12 threes. You don't know what he's going to do. But I will say this. His approach to this has been awesome. He understands that there's a ton of attention. He's focused on the next game. His teammates want him to get it. But I was in the building. I was in the building when he broke the Wilt Chamberlain all-time scoring yep. record for the Golden State Warriors. And he did it in the first quarter. And so I think he has it in his mind that he wants to get off of this. He wants to get it. He wants to get it done and then just start pushing forward. Well, we have your friend, oh, the, Kendrick the, Perkins. Just, just call him Kendrick Perkins. Who is joining us, your friend Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> and, and, and I am curious, Big Perk, so Steph, if he is to break this record in this next game, that means he's breaking two records, right? He's going to have to pass his teammate, Clay Thompson, for the most three-pointers in a game, and then he will also break Ray Allen's record if he does this again in that one game on Wednesday against the Trailblazers. Do you think he is going to do it, Perk? You, you know, it's hard to doubt him. And and when I look at, what is it, 16 three-pointers, he actually could get that done, especially going against the Portland Trail Blazers because they can't stop a nosebleed. I just watched him a few games ago with the Boston Celtics as a team put up 145 points on them. So I can only imagine what Steph is looking to do to them uh, come, come, you know, tomorrow night. But when I look at Steph, I could, look, I could see him getting eight threes, you know, in the first half and nine threes in the second half. Mm, if it don't geez. be a blowout, that could also be that could also be the deciding factor. If it's a blowout, we might not see him that much in the fourth quarter, which is a strong possibility. It is. It is a possibility when it comes to Steph and Steph's range and Steph's warmups. But again, it would be it's a tall feat even for Steph. But no one is doubting him. His next chance to break that record again, it's tomorrow night versus the Trailblazers. And speaking of Portland, I do want to bring in senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski because we had some breaking news out of Portland this morning. And as usual, it sent some shockwaves through our newsroom today in a development with Damian Lillard and the situation in Portland. And I do, I want to quote you here, Woj, because this stood out to me as the crux of your reporting. You said that his desire for an extension into his advanced NBA years has turned into a battle for the franchise's future. Can you take us inside that battle in Portland? Yeah, Malika, essentially, Damian Lillard will be eligible uh, for a two-year, $107 million max extension next summer. Uh, now, that would take him uh, to his 36th birthday under contract in Portland. He wants that extension. He has made it clear to the organization. And and there's uncertainty whether the organization will want to commit to him on that. Because right now, he's a very tradable asset. But all of a sudden, Dame Lillard, uh, in his mid-30s, um, as potentially the highest-paid player in the league, $55 million uh, in 2026, uh, well, that's a very different, different deal to try to trade. And essentially, a new general manager... Uh, in Portland, uh, whomever would come in to replace Neil O'Shea, you talk to executives around the league, and many of them have uh, you know one singular question for this Portland ownership group, and that's, do I have the ability to move Dame Lillard if I came into that job, or are you guys committed ultimately to doing that extension and trying to rebuild another team around him at 31 years old? This is a team that's been in the playoffs eight straight years, uh, but certainly... Uh, that kind of a player, as great as Dame Lillard has been and is, uh, you know, you usually see a steep decline, uh, and it is hard in a small market to build a roster around mm. a player uh, at that age 
with that kind of money committed. Well, and you mentioned it, Woj, that Portland parted ways with Neil Olshay last Friday, and that means that the number one priority for their new GM, right, is weighing this extending or trading Lillard. So, so what's step one look like in that process? Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Well, ultimately, this is an ownership decision. And mm-hmm. Jody Allen, uh, you know, who, who took over the team essentially in a trust. Uh, she oversees the, the Blazers as a trust from her late brother, Paul Allen. Uh, and it's ultimately going to be her decision on, um, you know, especially any, uh, any personal matter of this magnitude and you know, she doesn't have the history with Dame Lillard that perhaps her her brother did. Paul Allen, who was there when Neil Olshay drafted him, they had a great deal of success with him. Uh, but I think now as they go out into the marketplace and talk to candidates about uh, rebuilding this Blazers franchise, you know, certainly there's a sense around the league and among those who might be interested in the job that the best asset they have to start a rebuild is Damian Lillard. And, mm. you know, certainly there's some other players in Sage McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, that if you decided to essentially liquidate this roster, you'd start your rebuild. Uh, could they could they get enough back in trades for everybody else uh, and then give Dame uh, that max extension next summer? Um, it seems like a harder road to you know, really building a contender, but that's what Dame Lillard wants and that's what his reps want. And so I think there's a moment of truth coming here in Portland really next summer in July when he's eligible uh, for that $107 million two-year extension mm. You know that would certainly put him under contract to his 36th birthday. Well, and, and this is fascinating reporting from you on ESPN+. Plus. You, you mentioned and you alluded to it just there that the teams that are interested in Dame are waiting for him to make an official trade request before calling Portland. Why is that? Well, that was certainly the case, Malika, in the summer mm. when teams were unclear what his intentions were. Uh, it's really a leverage play that you you, you give up some leverage um, when you make that call. Player hasn't asked out yet that they know the Blazers lose some leverage uh, once a player asks out. Any, any team loses some leverage once a player wants out. Uh, Philadelphia, I'm told, is really the only team uh, that called uh, with an offer for Damian Lillard um, and Portland under Neil O'Shea, certainly uh, their previous administration, they were not interested in uh, a, a Ben Simmons trade that would include Damian Lillard. They weren't interested in having that discussion. Mm. Uh, but you know, we'll see now with Joe Cronin as interim GM and ownership now taking a look at how they want to move forward in Portland. Um, does that include Dame Lillard re-signed under a long contract? Uh, next summer, or do they start to look at him as potentially, you know, a player who has maybe his maximum value in trade much sooner than later? 
Yeah, and this is going to be something that we're going to be following and seeing how this plays out. Thank you so much, Woj. Please come back to give us an update on DeMar DeRozan in just a little bit. So I want to bring in the panel for more on this breaking story, Richard Jefferson, Kendrick Perkins, and Zach Lowe. So, Richard, just your initial reaction to this story. Uh, I start to feel bad for Damian Lillard, mm. and, and, and mainly for this. He has been one of the most loyal players. He has talked and advocated for players staying, and I would put him in the same boat as Giannis, trying to do it the hard way. Doesn't mean he doesn't have interest other places, but now all of a sudden you get to a spot where you've been rookie of the year. You're one of the 75 greatest. Your jersey is going to hang in there, yep. and now the team is like, do we really want to pay you a max contract that takes you to 35 or 36? When you look at what LeBron James is doing, when you look at what Chris Paul has done, this man should be the number one thing should be like we want you to retire and stay in a Portland Trailblazer jersey. Now some of that might be like hey can we have some flexibility or is this all about the money so it's both sides but I just think for Damian Lillard it's probably about that time to start looking about where you want to go and what you want to do because the franchise is looking at you as an asset right now. Mm. Just think about that. So Perk do you see Dame with the Blazers long term? No, I don't. And I think this is a, a, a chess move by him wanting this max extension on on the way of forcing his way out. Because when I look at this situation, and like RJ just said, look, Dane Dollar is in the same situation that KG was at his point of his career with Minnesota. Carrying the franchise, taking them to, to the playoffs every single year, but not getting and winning the ultimate goal. And right now, Dame has to know that he's not going to win a championship in Portland no time soon. I don't believe that free agents wants to sign in Portland, not the ones that's going to help him win. And I think that him and C.J. McCullen has run his course and it's not going to get done. And I hate it. Because this is Chauncey Billups, you know, first year as a head coach. Him and Dame, him and Damian Lillard are really close. But it, it comes that point of time in your career where you have to make that business decision mm. of, you know what, my time is up. Let me go. Let me take my talent elsewhere. Because one thing that I did hear, Malika, in KG Hall of Fame speech, he said this, and it stuck out to me. It stood out to me. He said, the one thing that I regret throughout my whole career is not getting out of Minnesota a lot earlier and getting to Boston. Hmm. Well, I, I do believe Dame. Dame has been a very transparent uh, player when it comes to his dealings with reporters, right? And he has said, he said at the beginning of this season, right, he told it to us on NBA Today, I wanted to get out there and say I want to be in Portland, right, because I want to move forward with Chauncey Billups. I want to give him a chance. And when Dame speaks, he has been so transparent that I do believe that that's what he wants in his heart of hearts. But there is also uh, something to weigh here. Zach Lowe, senior writer, host of The Low Post, also joining us. I, I, I'm curious, Zach, how realistic is it for the Blazers to keep Dame at this price tag going forward? forward. I'm not sure, and, and Richard makes a fair point that, you know, this is an all-time Hall of Fame guy. You should want to have him right. retire a Portland Trailblazer. You name LeBron and other guys who have aged really well, but I could also name John Wall, Russell Westbrook, other guys whose teams paid them and their contracts became albatrosses. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Dame. I'm a Damian Lillard true believer. Look, the first thing I'm doing if I'm Portland right now is I'm calling Philadelphia, and I'm trying to see, you're hovering around five Joel Embiid's playing a million minutes every night. 
What about a CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons? How many picks do I have to add? Do I have to add a young player? Am I going to give you four picks and four swaps? No. But if we can get to a reasonable point, if I'm the Blazers, I'm making that deal because Ben Simmons is just 25. If I eventually have to blow it up and trade Dame, I have a young cornerstone player that in the meantime fits with Dame. So far, Philly, from what I've been told, has been if it's not Dame for Simmons, we're not really interested. But that's the first thing I'm doing. I'm calling them. Maybe they're desperate. Maybe there's a C.J. McCollum center deal for Simmons that maybe we can start talking about. If that's no, I just don't see a McCollum, Nurkic, whatever deal Mm. that changes Portland's life, that changes Dame's life, that makes this team a championship contender. And if you can't find that deal, I think whether it's in six months or a year, you eventually have to start looking at what can I get for Damian Lillard in a full restart. Well, and Woj just said that Philadelphia is sort of the one team that has been in communication on that front. But what's interesting about this reporting from Woj on ESPN Plus is this is a decision that we're not sure whether or not they have an interim GM right now. They have said they're going to conduct a search. So whoever is coming into that GM role, what will they be emboldened to do? Is it going to be to trade Damian Lillard? Is that going to be a Jody Allen decision? Because remember, she invested in all of these extensions coming off their Western Conference Finals appearance, right? And so now those decisions are going to be big ones that they're going to have to weigh, and it's going to fall on this new general manager. But we also have more NBA Today coming up because Miles Bridges is joining the show to talk about most improved player and his favorite dunks. And LeBron, he defended his head coach, Frank Vogel, saying the players are the ones that needs to step it up. Is the heat on Vogel fair? Plus, Joel Embiid, he hung 43 and 15 on the Hornets last night. That was ridiculous. So where are the Sixers in the East with this version of Embiid? Stick around. You're watching NBA Today. NBA Today is brought to you by Trulicity. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It's B-Week on ESPN as we continue Jim Balvano's Fight Against Cancer. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Welcome back. Let's take a look at what Joel Embiid did for the Hornets last night because he might be back in MVP caliber four. So it was Joel, 76ers, on the road taking on the Hornets, and they're going to take him on again. But we should just pick this up in the fourth quarter because it was such a close game throughout, especially on this play. Yeah, we're not. We're talking about Joel, but oh my gracious, book night, I see you. Look, when you fall down off a dunk, that shows you that you were higher than you thought you could get. Well, and then Joel Embiid takes over in so many ways, including that. I don't think we've ever seen a player with this amount of size, this versatile, and look at his game. Like, one, getting a steal right there for Gordon Hayward, that's not a good part of his game. But then Oubre with the big three to give him a lead with a minute to go. But then Embiid doing what he does, that little pull-up. I'm telling you, this man is like Akeem Olajuwon. And check the clock. Ties the game, 119 all. 
Embiid, oh. Oh, can't quite get the friendly roll there. So we're headed to overtime. But Embiid did say that he is getting more and more comfortable in that closer role. So skipping off the court, ready for overtime. And boy, did he look comfortable as a closer. No, he, he does so many little things well for this team. Look, he is getting on the glass. He is creating assists. Look at what he's got five guys around him. Five guys around him, and they got to get into him because that jumper is a deadly weapon for him. But then here, Kelly Oubre. Last chance. No Bre. Sorry. No good. But it was close. You say Oubre, no Bre? Yeah. Oubre, no Bre. All right. Well, Joel was all over the place. He had 43 points. We are here with Big Perk, who's in the big monitor, and Richard. So, Perk, I want to start with you, though. Where does this version of Embiid, where does that leave the 76ers in the East? Because they were floundering a little bit when he was out in the COVID protocols. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they have been injured, injured and dealing with a lot of injuries. But when you look at Philly, their ceiling to me is the Eastern Conference Finals. They could beat the Bulls in a seven-game series. They could beat the Nets in a seven-game series without Kyrie Irving. But they're not going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, okay? The Milwaukee Bucks are 11-0 when all three uh, of their big three plays together this season. But when I look at Joel Embiid, RJ hit it right on the head. He's a 275-pound version of Akeem Olajuwon mm. with a little bit more in his bag. And when he goes into his bag, he's unstoppable. But the problem is there's another guy in that same conference who's really unstoppable on both ends of the floor, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. No, no I, I completely agree. And one of the things that we've been seeing, especially you have with – no choice. With, I, I, I can't express – to you how much I can't stand I mean, you have, I'm, I'm, I, 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 that's fine, but the, you have no choice. Uh, okay, whatever. Anyways, what I was trying to say is when you see no Ben Simmons, where I really see a big impact, obviously defensive end in this, but Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris has been averaging 19 points a game last year, 19 points a game this year, but you've actually seen a drop in his efficiency. He is shooting 30% from three, down from 39%, and even his free throw percentage is from 86 down to 80. So my point is, is that this team is in a very tough spot. Even with Tobias Harris healthy and he played last night, I just don't see this team really capping, you know, above what, what Perk said, and it's hard for me to agree with them, mainly because we've seen this, this effect. Ben Simmons is out, and it's affecting everybody else. Yeah, well, but we're seeing potentially the Sixers be risers a little bit if Joel Embiid can continue to play like this. Well, yeah, Joel Embiid is going to get him, but at the end of the day, this team was the number one seed last year. They were a favorite. Joel Embiid was an MVP candidate, so we know their talent. We know what he's capable of doing but they're trying to win a championship. Mm. That's their number one goal. Yep. So, yeah, they're going to play better with them, as you should with any MVP candidate. Well, especially when he's playing like that, but like the majority of the teams in the East, the Sixers, they're looking up at the Chicago Bulls right now, but Chicago is going to be without one of their stars for the foreseeable future as DeMar DeRozan has entered the NBA's COVID health and safety protocols on Monday. So players who test positive, they're required to miss at least 10 days unless they return multiple negative tests in a 24-hour window. That's what we saw with LeBron James, remember. So for more on this, we welcome back Adrian Wojnarowski. Adrian, what's the latest on DeRozan's status? Hey, Malika, DeRozan remains in uh, COVID protocols. Uh, he will not travel uh, with the Bulls to Cleveland for a game Wednesday night. And uh, they will, he will not travel to Miami uh, with the team where they play on Saturday. And so, uh, you know, he'll remain in protocols. And it, listen, it comes on the heels of him having really one of his uh, best weeks in the NBA. Player of the week averaged over 30 points a game and, and three Bulls victories. And certainly he's become 
you know, a centerpiece of this, uh, I think a little bit surprising Bulls team, but you know, they, uh, they'll be without him and they continue to be without Alex Caruso, uh, another one of their free agent players uh, that they signed this summer who uh, will probably miss a couple more games with a hamstring. Yeah, and then there are other players, right, on the Bulls that are in the health and safety protocols. I'm looking at Kobe White. I'm looking at Javante Green. They both tested positive for COVID-19 last week, and we know that COVID is not just an NBA problem. It's a world problem. And with that backdrop, Canada instituted a new law today that directly impacts NBA players. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, the league sent a memo to teams today informing them that beginning on January 15th, that NBA players who are not vaccinated will not be able to travel with their teams uh, to go play uh, in Toronto. Now, uh, the NBA says that they've got about 97% uh, of their players vaccinated and and over 60% now who've gotten booster shots. So it certainly doesn't impact many players, uh, but, uh, you know, players are unvaccinated uh, starting uh, in the middle of next month. You know, they will not be playing on the road uh, against the Raptors. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your reporting on this, Woj. And our Jamal Collier just announced that he tested positive for COVID-19. So sending good thoughts to Jamal as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Woj. And coming up on NBA Today, LeBron James defended Frank Vogel from critics yesterday. We'll dive into how much blame is there for Vogel to take on next on NBA Today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. AD, what'd you think happened in that third quarter? We saw This was a, a bad loss. The Lakers get blown out at home. What the hell is going on with the Lakers? The 28th ranked defense. Paul George again. Puts AD on his one score. So when you're looking at this team, they haven't gelled yet. They haven't been completely healthy. You cannot win a championship averaging six turnovers. One thing I live by is never, never, never panic. League says James recklessly hit Stewart in the face. I have to prove to my teammates that I am the leader that I say I am. The ultimate goal is to win a championship. All right, so the Lakers are just 12 and 12 through 24 games this season. So last season, they were 18 and 6 in that same span. And then the previous season, they started at 21 and 3. And that's when they went on to win a title. And yeah, you can chalk some of their struggles up to LeBron James missing half of those 24 games thus far. The Lakers are just 5 and 7 without LeBron in the lineup and are averaging seven fewer points per game when he doesn't play. He's yet to play in four straight games at any point thus far in the season. So this is their worst start in three years under head coach Frank Vogel, but the Lakers have won over 63% of their games under Vogel and have the fourth best record in the NBA in that span. So is he really on the hot seat? Here's what LeBron had to say yesterday when he was asked about Vogel. And criticism comes with the job. Um, you know, Frank is a strong-minded guy. He has a great coaching staff. And, uh, and we as his players have to do a better job of 
going out and producing on the floor. We're a team and an organization that uh, you know that don't mind some adversity, that don't mind people you know saying things about us, obviously, because it comes with the territory. And Frank doesn't care, and we don't either about what people are saying. Frank doesn't care, and we don't either. All right. Well, let's dive a little bit deeper on this. We have Richard Jefferson, Kendrick Perkins, Zach Lowe. I want to start with you, Zach. A lot of heat is coming for the Lakers, and it's coming down to Frank Vogel. Is that fair to criticize him for the Lakers' struggles? Look, no coach is above scrutiny, not even Greg Popovich. I do think Frank Vogel has probably been too loyal to the Russ, LeBron, AD, DeAndre Jordan. That quartet, the offense thinks it's not going to work. But let's step back for a second. LeBron has missed half the games. Mm. Half. The best player ever, arguably, has missed half the games. Trevor Reed hasn't played. Kendrick Nunn hasn't played. The Lakers have no lineup that has played more than 51 minutes this season. Every other team has at least one lineup, and sometimes two, three, or four that have played more than that. That shows you how unstable the availability has been. And more than that, they traded an entire basketball team of two-way players for Russell Westbrook and let another good two-way player and Alex Caruso go in free agency. We all knew Russell Westbrook fitting in with LeBron and AD was going to take some time given that he's a bad shooter who needs the ball a lot this is just going to need some time if you want to call me back in fifth after 50 games and ask me about the job frank vogel has done that's fine this guy helped them win a championship two years ago and in terms of divvying out blame for their 12 and 12 start and how blah they've looked i think he's pretty low on the totem pole of reasons right now below health and difficulty of fitting in rust we all knew that was going to take time it's a complicated puzzle they still have time they have time, Perk? You, you know the problem that I have is that everybody always want to talk about offense. Everybody want to talk about, oh, how is Russ and Braun going to look? Who's going to be the primary ball handler? Who's going to initiate the offense? Where's AD going to fit in? But nobody's talking about the Lakers and their defense. Right now, they can't stop a nosebleed. People are looking at the Lakers and saying, you know what? I could get my career high on them. I could go out there and get whatever I want. And that comes from effort. You can't tell me you have an athletic guy like Russell Westbrook who gambles, who don't fight to get over screens. You can't tell me you have a guy in Anthony Davis who have shown us time and time again that he, he could be in the defensive player of the year conversation mm. every single year that's not anchoring your defense. Frank Vogel is not to blame when the Lakers make a basket and they give up a transition basket on the other end. That's effort. And, and we got to start looking at their defense. And they have veterans on the floor. They have veterans on the floor that should be able to communicate and get get through things and get stops when need be when their offense is not going and they're not making shots. And I'm going to say this. Look at all the top teams in the NBA. Look at the Bucks. Look at the Nets. Look at Golden State. Look at the Suns. Look at Chicago. All of those teams are in the top ten defensive categories. Yes, mm. they have offense, but they defend at a high level. Well, and usually Frank Vogel teams, that's what they hang their hat on. They're 16th in the league in, in defense this year, Richard. I'm also looking at, you guys mentioned, both of you mentioned fit. LeBron, fewest rebounds since he was a rookie, fewest assists since 2016, lowest uh, field goal percentage since 05. You kind of can keep going, but is that a LeBron issue? Is that a fit issue? Is that a Frank issue, Richard? Oh, God, it's not a Frank issue. It's a 
you've missed half the season issue. That's all it is. Guys get better. They get into a rhythm. Their body starts getting stronger as the season progresses. If you're constantly having to go in and out and you're dealing with this, whether it's a suspension, a false COVID test, these are all part of just kind of the bumps and grinds of the season. At the end of the day, when you're talking about Frank Vogel, he is a very good coach. He is a championship coach. He has done this for, for damn near 20 years. It's not his issue, especially if you were looking at, well, they've been healthy. They've been this. Mm. This is not a Frank Vogel issue. And, and my thing about this is they don't have enough of the little guys, the guys that do the little things. Those were the things that Kyle Kuzma was getting better at every year, that we knew KCP, he was out there to defend. We see the impact that Alex Caruso is having. So you get rid of a bunch of guys that were living in the NBA doing the little things, and you replace them with superstars. And that's when Perk starts talking about getting over screens. Because you know what? Alex Caruso doesn't play if he doesn't get over screens. Westbrook will. Carmelo might. These guys will. And so your defense is not as strong as it once was because you don't have guys on the court that over the course of their career have lived their lives playing through the defensive end. So it's just going to be tough. I your finger up there, Perk. What's going on? I, I, I just got a question to ask, and I, I, I just want to – like, when you look at the Brooklyn Nets team, right, they rank number three overall in defensive efficiency. Hmm. When you look at their roster – their roster is not that much more better than the Lakers roster defensively, right? When you look at, you know, Patty Mills and, and James Harden. So if they could have a commitment and buy into playing defense, I don't understand why hmm. the Lakers can't. Well, I just I, don't get it. It's interesting you say that because I was wondering when I was watching Zach shaking his head, and maybe this is unfair of me, but so much of what we're talking about, the issues with injuries, having just time on the floor, star players being out, these role players having to do this, that, and the other – are the Lakers this year, the Nets last year, Zach? Wow, that's a good question. I mean, I think they'd like to be the Nets last year. The Nets might have won the championship <laughs> this last much year. Away, the had total away. Had they'd all been healthy. They are old, though. They are old, and Perk's right. we got to talk more about the defense. And look, when you're, my point about they're trading all these two-way players away or letting Alex Caruso go, RJ's right. Those are good defensive players. You're trying to be a good defensive team with Russ, Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony. Like, it's going to be an uphill battle. They need LeBron and AD to play at the absolute peak of their defensive abilities. Right. Well, speaking of the Nets, we have more to discuss on that game because we're going to check in on the Mavs, and they are preparing to face the Nets tonight. So how is the Jason Kidd-Luka Doncic relationship, how is that progressing? You're, you're going to want to hear this story. One of the most improved players in the NBA. Child's play for Miles with the steal and look out. Oh, the 360 two-hand throwdown. Miles Bridges with a huge shot. Another 30-point game. It's my fourth year, and I want to be a leader on the team. I want to be able to get people going. That gets me going. Here comes Rozier. He's got Miles. Oh! Yowza! Pumpkinly D. Miles Bridges come of age. Well, that uber stud is our next guest. He is a former lottery pick who's averaging 20 points per game for the Hornets this season. Miles Bridges, welcome to NBA Today. 
Hi, how are you doing? I am doing well. I am so excited to, hum, you got a hum diddly D. I am so excited to be talking to you today. <laughs> Your Hornets, they are 14 and 12 right now, and they are dealing with some health and safety protocol issues, but you guys were in the play-in tournament last year. So this growth, this improvement, what do you chalk that up to? Um, just us staying together. I mean, we have, we have great leaders on the team. You know, we have vets and, and Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, um, and, and young guys with LaMelo Bourne. So we're, we're just having a mixture of events uh, and young guys, and we're just having fun. So I, I love the way we're playing right now. You love the way I, we love the way you're playing right now. We love the way we get to watch you play. Your individual game, it's really taken off this season, and your name is being mentioned in the most improved player conversation. How do you feel about that? Are, are you the most improved player? Uh, for me, it's just about winning games. You mm. know, I, I just let my play do the talking. Um, but my teammates have done a great job of, of, of getting me open. My coaches put a lot of trust in me. Um, and I put a lot, a lot of work in during the summer, so I'm just happy to see it paying off. It's certainly doing that. Do you watch back some of your highlights, especially with Eric Collins and his hum diddly D or those sorts of calls? Do you ever watch those back? <laughs> the only time I really watch it is just to hear what he says because uh, he surprised me every time. He, he, he has a different a phrase for everything, so... Um, I don't watch my highlights to watch me play. I, I watch for Eric. <laughs> yeah, well, we watch for Eric, and we also watch for you a little bit, too. I, I do want to get into some of your highlights, but before we do, really quick, you have participated in the dunk contest a couple of years ago. You participate in them actually in games now. Is there any chance we might uh, see you again? Maybe. It depends. Um, but I, I'm more so of an in-game dunker, but, but we'll see. Well, you certainly are an in-game dunker, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about some of those dunks. And we have Richard Jefferson, who is our resident dunker with us. Although when I asked him, I asked him which one was his favorite, and he was like, it's Sophie's Choice. I can't, they're all my babies. So uh, I, appreciate I, love them that all. You, I appreciate that you <laughs> actually picked, Miles. So let's go through some of your favorite dunks of the year and just tell us, you know, what, was, what were you thinking? What were you thinking with the pass? You mentioned your 360 dunk against the Nets was one of your favorites. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're going against James Harden, one of the best offensive players ever, and I get a steal. Um, and you're in New York, so just just to pull off a 360, that was, that was fun for me. That was filthy for you, Richard. What do you think of that one? I, I, honestly, people don't understand. You got You take a little bit of a deep breath before you do something like this, like yo, because this could go really right or really wrong. But the the juice is worth the squeeze there. But look, I want to talk about this windmill versus the Knicks. What did you think? T t take me through this one. Uh, well, it's funny because I think like a couple plays before, Obi Toppin, he, he did a windmill on us, and there was a lot of Knicks fans in the crowd. So uh, when I had my chance, I knew what I was going to do with it. So uh, yeah, it was definitely good. Do You, you said you knew what you were going to do with it. Do you have them planned out at all, or is it when you catch the ball, or do you have like a bucket list of, oh, these are dunks I'd want to execute in-game? I was really thinking like, oh, he's gonna windmill on us on our home court, so. I love it. Oh, I got, I got <laughs> something for you. I got something, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know, Richard, your personal favorite, but oh, gosh, this one's, it was a, a favorite of mine too. The dunk on Giannis, that was just filthy. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I see him coming, I see him coming, and I seen what he did against the Suns in, in the finals, so I knew I had to dunk it quick. Because um, I know he's such a good shot blocker, but that, that was a good one for sure. Oh, uh, real quick, I got a question. So in my head, I because I know you, you love to dunk. You love to catch bodies. Your whole thing is like, I can dunk on him, I can dunk on him. Is there, is you, do you have a checklist in your head of the big men that you've caught, the people that you've dunked yeah. on, and is there one or two people that you haven't got yet, but you want to get? 
Uh, I mean, the big one from last year was probably Clint Capella. Mm. Uh, you seen I got Giannis last time. The one person I really want to get is Draymond because he, he continues to talk stuff to me. And every time he sees me going up for a dunk, he tries to foul me. So I'm definitely going to get Have you Draymond. got Rudy Gobert yet? Uh no no yeah. I was close yeah. I was close but he didn't jump yeah, okay. Rudy yeah that's 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 a good one I I, I think that I think Draymond we're gonna be on the lookout for that because he's he's a chatterbox on the court that that kind of rile you up a little bit yeah it definitely does I mean because he's from Saginaw off of Flint he went to Michigan State um so it's a lot of a lot of trash talk between us. Well, Miles, you are always welcome to come back and dunk on Richard Jefferson. That is something I will welcome every day of the week. We have a hoop in studio. Please come back. Thank you so much for joining us, and best of luck the rest of the season, Miles. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. All right, coming up on NBA Today, we're going to check in on the Mavericks as they prepare to face the Nets tonight. How is the Jason Kidd-Luka Doncic relationship progressing? Stick around, because this story, you're going to want to hear it. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. It's V Week at ESPN, and our partnership with the V Foundation highlights the urgent need for cancer research and the elimination of racial disparities in cancer outcomes. You can learn more and help support by visiting v.org slash donate. A hundred percent of your donation goes directly to cancer research. Welcome back to NBA Today. Okie doke. So I love alliteration, so let's do a little drama in Dallas. They have lost seven of their last eight. They host the Nets. That's tonight. Dallas's two best players are on the injury report. Luka Doncic is questionable with an ankle injury, while Kristaps Porzingis is probable. So joining me live from American Airlines Center in Dallas is our Mavs reporter, Tim McMahon. Hey, Tim. So what's the latest on both Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis? They're both expected to play tonight. And Porzingis has missed the last couple games after knocking knees with Jonas Valanciunas, which is certainly not a good guy to knock knees with. Uh, but he's fine. He's practiced. Yesterday he's ready to go. Luka Doncic, he, he sat out the last game with a sore left ankle. That's the ankle he sprained a few weeks ago, caused him to miss a few games. He also has a sprained left thumb, so he's banged up, but he's planning on playing. Obviously, this is a national spotlight type of game, and, mm. and Luka does tend to enjoy a big stage. Well, I said 7 of 8. I meant 7 of 10, Tim, but Luka, you mentioned big stage. He's also been under some bright lights lately. Drama in Dallas, as I said to start the segment, then nothing sums that up better than Jason Kidd's comments over the weekend about how Luka needs to stop lobbying the officials for calls. So what's the aftermath of those comments a couple of days later? Yeah, and you know they, they, do, they have had a good coach-player relationship. They're actually refreshed by Jason Kidd coming in here, mm. really open up the lines of communication. But what Kidd has shown is, look, He's not afraid to publicly challenge Luka Doncic in training camp. He, he, you know, challenged him, hey, trust your teammates. And on this occasion, look, Luka spends a lot of time complaining about calls, complaining to referees. It's one thing to do it in a break of play, like Kid pointed out. It's a whole nother deal. When you are complaining to the referees, the, the ball's going the other way. It's five on four the other way because you want to, you know, you want to gripe about calls on, on almost a possession-by-possession possession basis. So, Kid pointed that out, and he didn't just point it out in his post-game press conference. 
during a film session the next day, transition defense was a major emphasis for the Mavericks. And again, a big part of that transition defense problem is it's hard to play defense when you've got your back turned and you're yelling at a referee. So he's not only saying that to reporters, he's also saying that specifically to Luca. He's reiterating that. It's interesting to hear you say that they kind of have that mutual respect because oftentimes, especially with new coaches in this era, we don't necessarily see that. So that's very interesting. Tim McMahon, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you soon, my friend. I do want to shift gears to the college game. UConn phenom Paige Beckers will be out six to eight weeks with the left knee fracture. The reigning player of the year went down with a non-contact injury in Sunday's game against Notre Dame. Beckers, who underwent right ankle surgery in April, she leads number three UConn in points per game, assists, steals, and minutes. But we're not done yet on NBA Today. This shot from the concourse, that was just one of many ridiculous Steph highlights of the season. Coming up. In a real game. Well, you good know, thing we're going to we're going to look at what he can shoot though. Oh, okay, cuz that's not When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's our NBA Wednesday doubleheader. We'll start with the Bucks and the Heat at 7.30 Eastern. And then Steph and the Warriors host the Blazers. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 o'clock Eastern. So speaking of Steph Curry, Richard, he has hit some just ridiculous half-court shots. He hit one last night. He's hit a whole bunch. Yeah, that's what he does. The that's what he does. Even this, this season. Players hit him, but no. Not no, like that. No, but he, like... Hit step. It's a different type of hit. So we're going to go through some of the best shots of his season that we think so far. So let's start with number three. It was Curry igniting the fast break with a no-look pass over head. Overhead, yeah, did this game. Watch this. Oh, that's easy. That's a look. You could do that? No, I okay. could not. No, no, no. Okay. I was always I'm the just, guy that just When you say that's I, easy, I just need to check. For him. I'm referencing for him. For Steph, that's easy. Not that, for me. That was ballerina Ball- Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. All right. Well, he was like, that's light work. Yeah, so that's light work. Let's take a look at number two then. Steph hits a running three against the Grizzlies. You see, know that's now that type, See, that type of stuff is disrespectful to your opponents, to the game of basketball. But there is no player that I've ever seen in my life that plays with the same type of joy that Steph Curry does. He's having fun doing everything well, all the time. Look at his face there. He's almost saying, my goodness, <laughs> I can't even believe it. And at this point, for him and Steve Curry to still be having that kind of fun, that's fun. And yeah. then there's this. There's this. There's just this. It's off the glass. It's uh, casual. Yeah, yeah, all the reaction from players are just like, look, this is the thing. Players hit, players hit half-court shots all the all time. 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 That's not rare, guys. You go back and look at anybody's history. Steph hits like seven of them, eight of them a season. It's absurd. Well, Every he's, season. The, he's going to need to hit a few more if he wants to break Ray Allen's record. So he's 16 away right now. You think he's breaking it tomorrow on our air? He's not doing 16, and this is no disrespect to Steph. You know my love for you, brother. But he's not going to go 16. He is going to try and win the game. 
game. If if there was other things, but he's going to probably three games. I think three games he'll get it. You think three games? Three. I was going to say two. Three. I was going to say two. Yeah. Three. I think he's going to do something spectacular in order to get it. Well, thank you to everyone for stopping by, and a happy 65th birthday to the legend Larry Bird. NFL Live is next, Richard. Yeah, hey, shout out to my guy Miles Simon in the South Bay Lakers getting it done. Number one seed. I see you, Miles. Bear down. We'll see you tomorrow. Bear down. Bear down. Go.